Good morning. It's Sunday, June 10th, 2018, to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a weekly podcast on the Chicago Cubs and other ancillary sub- subjects. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on ITW, we will talk about the future for the National Anthem as a regular practice to open professional sports contests. We'll do a lap around the major leagues, and as always, we'll visit with Chicago's Northside team, the Chicago Cubs. Tom, how you doing? I'm about 74% today. (laughs) Is there water in your basement, or would you even know you're on vacation? That's right. Well, I'm uh, I'm in Michigan. Uh, there's not wa- we haven't really had water, but we haven't had beautiful. It's been uh, an interesting couple of days. But uh, so, and how we, are you? We're all right. We got a little water in the basement, and we had to burst into action with the shop vacs and all the other stuff. But uh, fortunately, we were able to stem the tide. The damage was minimal, and we're doing okay. I'm just trying to, you know, the the big shock I think that that's hit everybody is uh, the suicide of Anthony Bourdain, and it's something we're all, I think, kind of trying to deal with. Uh, this is a man that I admired a great deal, and uh, I would seek him out on YouTube. I would watch his shows. I've read his books. The man had the best job in the world, but in spite of that, he still was depressed enough to find a reason to take his own life, and we're, we're still, I think, all struggling with that. Yeah, I would agree. I, I was a huge fan, and, ever, you know, I followed his career ever since I was uh, in Jamaica in the early 2000s, and I was looking through uh, at the hotel I was at a box of books, and I picked up uh, Kitchen Confidential yeah. and, uh, and, and read that book in probably, I don't know, six or seven hours I, in one sitting almost. Um, and that's where I learned, you know, at a restaurant, you never, uh, you never order uh, fish on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and little little tricks of the trade of that. I'm not so sure he had the best job in the world. And the only reason why I say that is because of the traveling aspect of it. Yeah, I understand he, the, yeah. exo- the, the exotic locales, but for somebody that's flown 800,000 miles like I have, traveling can wear on you yeah. like a like a really heavy suit at times. And so, um, but that being said, the coolest episode ever is he used to do this show called I think it was called Layover yeah, or something layover. like that. Yeah. The layover. He actually went to my bar, uh, Simon's uh, yeah. bar, which is basically an old man bar on the north side of Chicago. And he went to my bar. I could not believe that and actually filmed a, you know, a 10, 15 minute uh, piece inside of Simon's with uh, with my bartender <laughs> at my bar. That was that was pretty. Cool. That is cool. That is cool. All right. So let's move on to uh, our larger purpose and uh, let's start talking about some of the larger issues that are affecting baseball and sports and I want to begin with um, why I think we need to have a separation between sports and state Um, you know there's this huge controversy now the NFL and the national anthem and the president's getting involved and then sports teams are, are invited to visit the White House after they've won a championship and then the president disinvites them and it, it's just all right. a political football and uh, I really think that we need to sort of divorce ourselves uh, from politics and sports. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you on it. I do think that this is an, this administration is an aberration when it comes to this subject and I wouldn't be surprised that in 2020 or whenever he's he, he whenever this this administration has it finishes its run um that it goes back to the way that it used to be um but that being said 
I'm not, I, I'm kind of with you on the idea that you could get rid of it. You could get rid of the national anthem from sports. You know, one of the reasons why it was added, quite frankly, was to settle people down. Yeah. If, if, you know, in, in, in the old days, <clears throat> excuse me, in boxing matches, they would play the, the national anthem when, when riots would break out in the crowd. <laughs> <clears throat> and in the, in, the, in the early days of baseball, it was a way to get everybody to focus on the game and stop talking to each other. So, I'm not so sure and convinced, really, that it, that it hasn't outlived its usefulness. I understand it. I'm as patriotic as anybody, um, but it is a political football. Yeah. And uh, I do, you know, on further reflection, I do agree with you that it really has no place in the workplace um, at all. Yeah. And and you, and it doesn't exist except except in sports and a few other other places like this. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be troubled if they got rid of it. I wouldn't be troubled that it came back to being the way that it used to be in you know four or eight years when this administration is done. Well, because I think it's an aberration as far as the Trump administration. Goes. As do I. But I, well, it, I I think it's actually more than an aberration because you know you'll remember that when Obama was president, there were several. I mean, there would always be like maybe three or four players on each championship team who would refuse right. the invitation so i think it begins there and it expands now because there are certainly i would think more professional athletes especially in the nba and the nfl who dislike our president and would refuse such an invitation but you know it, it's just so i think just to to do away with it all together there are more serious things that our president needs to be worried about uh, rather than just greeting a championship hockey team or baseball team or whatever, I, I think we can all survive doing away with it until we can figure out at least a way that we can disagree with each other in a civil manner. Because because um, it, it's just it, it's just too much. We're at a place in this country where it's just not doing anybody any good. I, you know, I don't disagree with you, but I do think that what happened to Obama was racism and that when what's what's happening with Trump is racism. It's yeah. really uh, it's really the same subject. But I don't disagree that you could you could you could make it go away. I think it's it's a it's a it's it's sad. It's a sad commentary in the country when players who reach this pinnacle are not able to, you know, celebrate with with the president of the United States. But I but the fact of the matter is. I wouldn't be troubled if it went if it completely went away. Even though those three or four players on each team that wouldn't go see Obama, what was the reason for it? It wasn't for that he was trying to get everybody health care. I can assure you. Yeah, yeah, I think that might so, be part of it. Anyway. Yeah, you're right. All right, so let's uh, move around uh, the major league, major league, and talk about current events there. Uh, I'd like to begin with Jake Arrieta. Really let his teammates have it after a terrible series in uh, San Francisco, and this was ahead of them coming to Wrigley Field, but uh, they'd scored right. one run, I think, in four games, and the only run they scored was when he hit a home run. Right. You know, so, <laughs> so he really, uh, you know, he was interviewed after, I think, the game that he pitched where he didn't pitch very well, and he admitted that, but he said that the team really has to start playing better and there has to be greater accountability all over the place, and I, I'm not sure he wasn't wrong. You know, he, he was right. No, I think he was right, and I think, you know, once you become a champion like Jake has, he knows what it takes to get there, and he can recognize, I think, malaise. Um, and, you know, this is a young Philadelphia team that has a really big future, I think. Um, and I think that he was wise to sign on with Philadelphia, but I think he also has to have the patience to understand that it's probably like when he was on the Cubs in 2013 or 2014. They're going to show flashes of competence, uh, competency and brilliance, but – 
but otherwise they're an ordinary team. I think they came out of the gates pretty strong, but I don't think I don't think it's a horse to use the uh, you know horse racing Belmont uh, uh, terms or the analogy that it's it's a horse that's going to finish. Real no, I, th- I agree, they, especially after watching them play in the series against uh, Chicago here at Wrigley Field. They're just they're an erratic team. You know they don't make a lot of contact. They have good pitching, I think, starting pitching, but. They're, it, it, well, they won't play defense well enough to support it, I don't think. You well, they, they do have one good thing going for them. They have really classy fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. There you go. All right, so moving right. on. Um, take me to Staten Island or I'm going to blow your head off. Did you get a chance to read that link? I did, I, I did read the link, but I followed the story. That's actually – that's a clean version of what uh, <laughs> Lenny, Lenny – Lenny Bull Dykstra yeah, said, right. uh, uh, um, to the Uber driver who picked him up. And, if it, you know, the fact of the matter is Lenny's got a problem. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> yeah. he, he, you know, when, with Uber, you use your phone to, to pick your location. Right. You have he to... gets into the car and ch- changes his location. And then the driver says, you got to, ch- you know, you got to go on your phone and change the location, which is the way that Uber works. Exactly. It's, these are not cabs. Right. right. So. And then it turns out, you know, he's got all kinds of, you know, he's he's basically it's a he's a, he's his own corner drugstore in his uh, <laughs> in his in his medicine in his magic bag that he's carrying with him. I mean, and and he said he told the cops, you know, that the driver tried to kidnap him, which is just right. ridiculous. Right. And uh, you know, he's got as you said, marijuana and cocaine in his bag, and he's threatening this driver who's from you know I don't know what country. I'm sure he's you know, not from the United States. And this poor guy gets threatened uh, to have his head blown off. And Lenny actually took a bag and pointed it at his head with the idea that there may have been a gun inside it. I don't know if there was or there wasn't. But the point is, is that uh, Lenny Dykstra is a menace to society. And, uh, you know, something needs to be done. I don't want to... It, it's a cry for help, but I think, you know, if you think about it, isn't this a violation of his probation yeah, in yeah. some way? Well, if he didn't have a gun, I don't know if it's a violation, but uh, but uh, this is a guy who's been in and out of jail for a variety of reasons since his major league career ended. This is a guy who paid private investigators to, to follow right. around umpires to get dirt on him so he could uh, right. extort them for a more favorable strike zone. So this is not a guy who... I don't know. This is this is no angel. Um, all right, so let's move on. The the, the draft uh, just took place. The MLB draft and the Cubs and the White Sox both drafted shortstops out of the Pac-10. Uh, the White Sox got Nick Madrigal and uh, the Cubs got Nico Horner. Uh, but what I wanted to ask is, do you why do you think shortstops are such a valuable commodity? Because they're the they're the quarterback of of the defense in many respects, and I think that. Uh, you know, oftentimes uh, shortstops are the best, some of the best athletes, and and off, and they're often converted depending yeah. on you know where they end up in the organization. Um, I think in this particular case, at least looking at from the Cubs' uh, standpoint, um, is that they they took the best player that was available, right, right. Um, and so that's always been um, uh, Theo's kind of a mantra, which has worked very well for him. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is that the Tigers took the, the number one uh, player that was available, which, by the way, the reason why the Tigers um, got this player is because uh, uh, last year, San Francisco and Detroit was tied going into the last game of the season. 
And um, I forget uh, Little Poppy, the, the third baseman, the overweight guy. Oh, um, uh, Pedro Sandoval? Hit, uh, yeah, Sandoval hit a home run uh, to win the game for him. And then Detroit was able to get the very first pick. And they took the pitcher from Auburn, whose name I think is Mize or Miles. I can't remember. Mize. Mize. Um, and, it, and so um, what I read on this draft is that there was Mize and then there was everybody else, that, right. that, that this was not a particularly strong draft. And then the other thing, too, is you're looking at five to seven years. And so maybe the, the Cubs organization is thinking, hey, at that point, we're going to have to address the middle infield. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but I think they took the best player on the board. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I do agree with the fact that the shortstops, because they're such good athletes, can end up playing other positions. They can play second, they can play outfield, you know, and they can still be productive because, you know, they, they have a background playing what was arguably the toughest position on the field other than the catcher. All right, so right. Uh, Bartolo Colon who is a big sexy. He's certainly our favorite pitcher. Uh, oh, yeah. He, he's still out there, and he's still chasing Juan Marichal's record for most wins by a Latin American-born pitcher. Uh, I think he needs two or three more. And, uh, no, he's, he's tied. He's, he's, he's tied, tied oh, with Marichal. Oh, he's yeah. tied? Okay, good. I'm glad. Yep. So all he needs is one more. But he's not pitching very well. He's really been roughed no. up. And um, nope. my question is, is, is will, the, will the Rangers keep trotting him out there? That, that's a very good question, Leo. And the reason is, is because the Rangers are not really that competitive of a team this year. They're awful. So they yeah. can, you know, if this, if this uh, pitcher, who, by the way, is the patron saint for all fat guys out there, <laughs> I, I love, I love uh, Bartolo Colon. Um, and, and, and by the way, he's, he's, ma- he's going to make a strong case for the hall of fame just because of his longevity, even though he's, he's going to come shy of 300 wins. But I think if he was on any other competitive team that he would be released. Yes. And in fact, in fact, he has been released by other competitive teams. And so I'm not exactly sure, you know, the Rangers have a, have a, uh, a huge Hispanic following. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, it may be part of that, or I'm not exactly sure, but if you look at his last three or four starts, he's well over five as an ERA and he shouldn't be pitching in the major leagues as much as I hate to say it. Yeah, you're probably right. But, uh, but again, I mean, the Rangers aren't going to win anything anytime soon. So why not keep sending him out there in the hopes that he'll, he'll get that win and he'll get that win in a Rangers uniform and maybe put a few fans in the seats. Um, now, Ichiro Suzuki, another favorite of the ITW staff, is yep. uh, who's retired recently. He's been working on the coaching staff of the Seattle Mariners, and he's been asked to start throwing batting practice, early batting practice for the hitters. And what I love about this is that when he was asked to do this, he went out and practiced. He threw 200 pitches before he threw a batting practice pitch to a single player, which I thought was just so Ichiro, you know. There's no doubt. I, I worry about this guy. Just just how obsessed this guy is. Yeah. Only for the fact that, by the way, you said retirement. You know, you could put quotations around that because I don't think he's actually accepted the fact that he is retired. I think that somehow he thinks in the back of his mind he's going to claw his way back on the field. Even though I don't see how. If you if you saw him play at the beginning of this year, his career is obviously over. Sadly, um, but. I, I worry about him a little bit just by how obsessive this guy is. No, he really, um, he really is. And we read that article uh, that appeared in, I guess it was uh, Sports Illustrated or Sporting News about just yes. the, the way he was brought up 
with the game and, and there's just this obsessive compulsive nature to the way that he goes about his business and practicing. He's so absolutely meticulous. And, you know, it, it, you do worry about this guy, but I'm just happy that he still has a reason to get out of bed, at, you know, in the morning yes. and that it, it still involves baseball. And uh, as far as the other players on the team, they love it. You know, they love the fact that he's so dedicated and they're thrilled that somebody's willing to throw early batting practice to them, you know, so. Uh, well, well, you know, the Mariners are playing so well. And as you pointed out in one of our uh, messages back and forth this week, that they uh, they had won their 40th game of the season, which is extraordinary for this really team. Is. Because let's be, uh, let's be honest, it wasn't on either of our radars this year uh, as far as being this good. It's, it reminds me a little of the Brewers. I didn't think the Brewers would be as good as they've, they've been playing this year. But I think the Mariners are even a bigger surprise. Why don't the Mariners, appoint Ichiro uh, director of you know Asian baseball operations yeah and and let and let him let him go and um, find the next Ichiro yeah. I mean yeah. and I think I think with Ichiro is he needs to have something meaningful to do that's attached to the baseball uh, the great game of baseball 365 days a year that's the one thing about him is he doesn't he doesn't stop when baseball season's over he's still hitting you know 200 baseballs a day uh, every single day all day every year and so I just think that they have to find uh, something for him to do. That's what I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right. All right. So uh, now I wanted to suggest that we need to be, we need to keep our eye on the St. Louis Cardinals this week because uh, yeah. coming up, they, they play a three game set. Uh, is it in Bush stadium or, or I think it's in Bush stadium, but ahead of that three game set with the Cubs, they're, they're going to play nine straight against the Marlins, Reds and Padres, all three of whom are in last place. They, uh, right. they lost two out of three to the Marlins and they have won the first two against the Reds. And they're, what are they, they're like 12 and 0 against the Reds or something this year. It's really just, it, right. really. So they're going to come in. They're, they're either going to make a move in terms of the division, or they're going to come in, I think, very, very hot or thinking very hot. Or if their bullpen falls apart, as it has in the past, they may come in, you know, this may really put them out of the race. Because if they don't win seven of these nine, you know, that could really be a problem for them. Yeah, you know, I, I think when you look at the face of it, the the Cardinals um, are are once again competitive. I mean, you you have to say this is one of the best teams in baseball, certainly one of National League's best teams year in and year out. They don't have the best personnel, as we kind of talked about numerous times last year. They struggled defensively. Their pitching staff wasn't all that great, as we pointed out a couple of weeks ago. Their catching is terrible yeah. this year. They've yet to throw out a runner, but yet they're hanging around. And and so you're 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 exactly right. If they're able to get through the Marlins, Reds, and Padres without much trouble, um, you know they're going to be in a really good position because I think what you're going to see happen is that one of the three teams and I. And I don't really know at this point which one is it, it's going to be is going to start to fade. I suspect that it's going to be Milwaukee, but they've been they've proven me wrong all season long. Yeah, so, they're playing great. Uh, yeah, they really are. They really are. You know, while we talk about the Cardinals, I just want to uh, maybe let's talk just for a second about the passing this this week of uh, Red Shandies, who yes. uh, you know was was baseball's oldest uh, 
uh, Hall of Famer at 95, um, who had a long career. He, 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 first of all, he was a very good player. A lot of people don't talk about that. He kind of played in the shadow of uh, Stan Musial to a certain degree. But he was also a very good manager, and he managed those great St. Louis teams of the 1960s yes. that uh, you know, featured Bob Gibson, one of the greatest pitchers that ever threw a baseball. Um, and also, he managed the 68 Cardinals, that were beat by my Detroit Tigers true. Uh, four games to three uh, based on the incredible performance by Mickey Lolich, who won three games in that series. But the interesting thing about Red was that he managed in 1980 as an interim manager, That's right. as an old guy. And then he also managed in 1990 as a, as a, as a, as a uh, interim that. manager. I remember I was in St. Louis and, at the time where I had strong connections it, there. You know, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, he was near 70 years old at the time. So it's just he's had a, his very last season in baseball was last year. Wow. Um, he was kind of like a roving ambassador for the Cardinals. Um, and so it, it just was a, an incredible career. Um, uh, again, when Bobby Doerr died at 99, he, uh, Red became the oldest living Hall of Famer, and now Tommy Lasorda takes that wow. mantle. So rest in peace, uh, Red Shandy. So uh, one thing you brought up, Red Shandy, so I wanted to tell a story that I, that I read in Bob Gibson's book. And uh, there, he was managing the Cardinals in the 60s, and uh, Red was upset that uh, a lot of the Cardinals starting pitchers were giving up hits on 0-2 counts. And he said that he was going to fine any pitcher who threw a strike when they had an 0-2 count. And Bob Gibson spoke up and said, well, Red, you might as well take my money now because I, get, I happen to get all my strikeouts when I've got two strikes on the hitter. So, so, you know, <laughs> which was a good Don't mess with Bob. Oh, yeah. Don't mess with Bob Gibson. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of – it's not a – so uh, uh, Chris Sale returned to Chicago. Uh, he came back here to pitch with the Red Sox, and he pitched very, very well. In fact, he allowed only one run, but – he was beaten by a White Sox youngster by the name of Dylan Covey, who shut out the Red right. Sox. So I thought that was that was significant. Yeah, I mean for the White Sox, yeah. not for the Red Sox, obviously. The Reds, the Red Sox are back to being a juggernaut, though. If you've been following them lately, they're 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 they've resumed the way that they were playing at the very beginning of the season. I would ex I would suspect that they're going to be in it all year long. Uh, David Price is pitching like David Price That's again. Right. Um, and so the Yankees are going to have their hands full. The Yankees, as we speak today, have the best record in baseball, um, but the Sox are nipping at their They're right there. mightily. Yeah. And, and, you know, big win for the White Sox. And you're seeing uh, flashes of mediocrity from the White Sox <laughs> this year in, in an otherwise, you know, potentially hundred loss. Um, season, well, they're not, so. they're not the worst team in baseball, but they're they're They can certainly see the basement from where they are. And, uh, no, well, they, they're not the worst team in baseball, but if they play the worst team on baseball on TV. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's uh, talk about our team, uh, yours and mine, and that's uh, the Chicago Cubs. And America's road team, as I like to refer to them, because they're so popular <laughs> on the road, they often outdraw the home team in places uh, you right. know, where they play. But they, they, they had a 6-1 and one road trip. Um, and now they're back here in town and they've taken two out of three from the Phillies and they've taken the first two against the Pirates and they're, they're rolling, man. They've won 13 of 15 yep. and everything just, you know, they're, they're, they're getting double sixes every time they roll the dice. 
It's just great. Yeah. And uh, this is what we expected. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really loving what I'm seeing. I've got two words for you. Mike Montgomery. Yeah. And, and I think if you look back to the beginning of, of, of the clip that the clubs are playing at, and they're now playing, they're at 600, uh, a winning percentage, which they, they reached yesterday, which is incredible. Um, if you ask me, the fact is, as we talked about last week or the week before, uh, now they're now the second or third best team in the majors from a, a batting average standpoint. And they're the second best team from an ER, ERA perspective. That, that is, I'm telling you, we're moving towards the, the middle of the season and that the, those stats will, will kind of hold up throughout the whole year. And so you speaking of hitting, um, you, you noticed that, you know, Jake Arrieta received this flowery video tribute. That's right. Uh, once he got to Wrigley Field with his uh, Philadelphia Phillies. But, but you also said, what, ha- what about John Malley? Yeah. Why didn't he get Poor right? John. Poor John, who is the hitting yeah. coach that won the World Series with them. He returns to Wrigley Field with the Phillies. He doesn't get a video tribute. What's going on? No, there, there was actually an article about uh, Malley in the Tribune. And they asked him if he was okay with Joe, who they, everybody basically assumes was instrumental in firing him. But he, he was, was. And, you know, and, and I, I kind of get it. And I, and, and the, the organization's line is we didn't fire John Maley. We just acquired Chili Davis because when Davis was available, Davis is such a great hitting coach. We couldn't, you know, so it was kind of one of those deals where, the Cubs go after the guy who's available. You know, when they fired Renteria to bring in Madden, you know, it's not that they didn't like Renteria. It's just that they liked Madden a whole lot more, you know, and, and they yeah, liked you know, Davis you know a what? lot more. Leo, that's a complete cop-out. <laughs> you can say whatever you want about John, but John didn't get the job done last year. It's just, it's just that simple. If you looked at their performance on the offensive side of the field, their ability to move runners over for the talent that they had. It was awful. It, it, he, it was... he just underperformed. I don't know whether it was awful. He just underperformed. And I think that this is a situation where they, you know, just sp- – Speak the truth here. It, it wasn't that Chili Davis is – we didn't even know Chili Davis. Chili Davis now is considered a great hitting coach because of the results he's gotten out of the Cubs. But I, but I, I just think that uh, Jake Arrieta deserved a video tribute. Let's just put it that Absolutely. That's all, absolutely. I, that's all I'll say. And, and he, was, he was all over the place uh, during that swing through Chicago. I mean, he was on every radio station. He was on every talk show. I mean, I probably heard – 15 different interviews with him. So it was really, uh, you know, it was, but, but it was deserved. Now I do want to talk about, there was a massive win and this was on Wednesday night when uh, Jason Hayward comes up to the plate at the bottom of the ninth with two outs, the bases are loaded. The Cubs are down two runs. This is a guy who has struggled his entire tenure with the Cubs and he hits a grand slam home run to win the game. I mean, in one moment they're losing, they're about to lose. All they need is that third strike. And then the next moment, the Cubs have won the game. And that was Hayward's yeah. biggest moment as a Cub that didn't happen in the World Series. The, the, right. And, and it was the best moment of the season so far. I watched it live, and I will tell you, he didn't look particularly good on the first two strikes in that at bat. And so that was an incredible situation in the fact that the last time a walk-off Grand Slam occurred – I think it was in 68 with Ron Santa. By Ron Santa, um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this I'm gonna go off on a little rant here. This really pissed me off <laughs> when I went to when I went to ESPNBA, 
which is what I call them now. Yeah. ESPN is basically a front for the for the for the NBA. If you go to their front page, everything is basketball all the time. The NHL, which just wrapped up its season with a great win by the Washington Capitals over the upstart uh, Vegas uh, uh, Knights, ba- barely got a blip mentioned yeah. on ESPN when they won the Stanley Cup, the, the greatest trophy in all of sports. But the but the NBA covers ESPNBA. All day, every day was the NBA. Well, Hayward hits this home run, and there's not even a mention on the front page of ESPNBA. Yeah. What the hell yeah. is that? No, I know. It, it, well, you know what? ESPN has really, for me, evaporated in terms of their relevance in my sports universe. If I want to know what's going on in baseball, which is my primary focus, I go to the uh, MLB network. You know, me and, too. And, 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 and they're, they're going to tell me what I want to know. You know, it used to be that ESPN was must-see TV. Baseball tonight, right. I would watch it every night. I would watch sports exactly. to get all the highlights. But now, I mean, I don't even know. I don't know any anybody on ESPN anymore. So for me, they have just sort of they're they're in my rearview mirror as far as uh, relevance. You know. So. Yeah, agreed. But I just think that ESPN.com is a sports website. It still includes baseball. You have to really search for it, but it's on there. I just thought what Hayward did was fantastic. It was the equivalence of almost of seeing a no-hitter. And so, you know, for the, from an excitement standpoint, you could have at least mentioned it on the sidebar. Yeah, you know, they've yeah. got eight or nine little headlines there, not a mention of Hayward. And I thought, you know what? This is ridiculous. I'm done with you, ESPN. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, Joe Namath came to visit uh, Wrigley Field, and he threw out the first pitch. Uh, I think it was yeah. the first game against, uh, or first or second game. It was the second game. It was the it was the Hayward game that uh, he yeah. threw out the first pitch. Wednesday night. And, Wednesday. and what that did was, you know, he's a bit, he's a close friend of Joe Madden's, and it, it inspired yeah. Joe Madden to just trot out football references one after the other in all of his press conferences before and after the game. You know, he said that uh, with the, with the, the Hayward grand slam, well, we, we called the hail Mary, you know, it was fourth and long and we had to throw it deep. And then he said that, uh, that when uh, Ian Happ had made those incredible catches, you know, he, uh, Oh yeah. He ran a fly pattern to get that, you know, that to make that catch. I mean, it was just really funny, but Joe Namath must've you know, put that in his head. But the thing is, Madden got a little bit carried away when he, you know, later in the the broadcast there, he started trying to kiss a couple of the sideline reporters, just like Namath. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that happened. No, no, no. These are jokes that come with instructions. Now, and then we get um, further deliberation regarding runners trying to score. And uh, what happens is Albert Almora tries to score on a Rizzo sacrifice fly. He's flying in from third base. He dives into home plate. And the catcher, the Philadelphia catcher, has the plate blocked with his left leg before he has the ball, which you can't do. And Javi Baez, who's on deck, you know, points to it. He notices it. The Cubs have to contest it. They put on the earphones. They, They call New York. And it turns out, according to the rule, even though Almora had been tagged out, he was ruled safe. So this worked out in the Cubs' favor. Yeah, that, that seems to me like in the offseason, the baseball needs a clarification on, on the whole catcher uh, at home plate rule. Um, but uh, uh, so, uh, you know, you, we wanted to talk about, because we're, we're running short on time here, about Tyler Chatwood. 
Yes. Um, who's been struggling trying to find the, the strike zone. What's your take on Well, you know, they paid $13 million a year for him for three years. And I think they just have to let him – they have to let him try to work it out. And that's what Madden said. We can take him out or we can let him work it out. We're going to let him work it out. And, and it's not costing them yet. Uh, it may cost them, but it, I think it's equally as likely that he can figure things out. Right. So. All right. Um, let's go on. Let's just finish it up here. I've got uh, – Three kind of good, you know, this week in baseball history, uh, little blurbs to talk about. And the first one was June 4th, 1974, Cleveland Municipal Stadium. This was 10 cent beer night and they sold 60,000 oh cups of beer to 25. <laughs> I remember 000. this. Yeah, you remember this? And they had to forfeit the game <laughs> oh, yeah. because of rowdy oh, behavior yeah. and the Rangers got the win. So, uh, yeah. all right, let's, let's move on. Quickly. Well, and, then, and oh. just so you know, in the wake of that, Cleveland obviously modified their their alcohol policy in regards yeah. to the stadium it's in the, in the old mistake by the lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, 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 no. But, but in, it's not just Cleveland, Detroit, working class, blue collar, uh, Pittsburgh, um, enacted new rules in regards to uh, discounting beer. All right. So moving on June 6, 2000, Anaheim, California, this week, this week in baseball history, the rally monkey, what made its first appearance. And this was uh, a clip from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, the monkey that was in that movie. Right. They flashed it on the screen. And then the Angels came back and had a big win with a big rally. And so the rally monkey was born as a big part of baseball. And that's something I think we can all remember fondly. All right. Yeah. And, and then on June 9th, 2000, that same year, this was one of my favorites. Bobby Valentine managing the Mets. He's ejected from the game. And then he, oh, put, yeah, this is he great. puts on a disguise. <laughs> he puts on like a Mets t-shirt. He puts on sunglasses and a mustache. And he tries to just sneak back into the, into the Mets dugout. And then the, the Mets broadcast crew spots him. And they're just, right. they cannot stop laughing. And that was hilarious. What, what, which is ironic because I always thought Bobby Valentine was masquerading as a manager anyways. Yes, yes. But a dumb <laughs> – You know, but, uh, but that was absolutely hilarious. And I can't believe yeah, that was. he had the guts to do that. And he got fined $5,000 and was suspended for two days. So, you know, that was a big deal. <laughs> All right. So, so the last one is a did you know. And I was looking through baseball reference, which is just a lot of fun. And did yeah. you know – that the Cincinnati Reds are the only non-expansion team to never have a Cy Young Award winner. Can you believe that? No, they've never. I, won. No, that's hard to that's hard to believe because they, they've had some. They had a pitcher throw a perfect game. Yes. Um, and so and they've had some good pitchers. So, you know, they 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 were the big red machine, even though that was mostly an offensive team. But they had some good pitchers on that team. So that that is hard to believe. It really is. I mean that that but that I think it's just unbelievable that a team like that has never been able to produce a Cy Young award winner that and the award has been around since 1956 I mean come on right so anyway all right, right. it's been a great show Tom I love talking to you hope you have a good weekend up in Harrison I hope the weather improves you do the same have a great day and all great right. week talk to all you right. soon bye-bye